Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hey, 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 everybody. Um, so what's going on this week? I've got Marie Phillips, uh, been a longtime listener, I believe. I believe she's been a longtime fan. Got to meet her a few years back at TXETA. I think it was the year she started in, in education, but, um, or maybe the next year. There it is. Uh, but, um, finally had her on and this was really, really fun. Like if you've met her before and she'll tell you this, she's, she's pretty shy initially, but she's one of those people that, um, once you get her talking, as you're going to hear in a second, the comedy and the sort of sarcasm and some of that side of her, uh, uh, also, um, I'll safely say it. She's smart AF bro. So she's just really knowledgeable. Um, and I had a really good time talking to her on, I don't know, August, like it was a while ago. It was almost a month ago now. So, uh, and that's how most of these episodes are going to be. We're just going to get further and further away from the actual interview. Uh, so a couple things to talk about, not going to be that long of an intro. I say that just like the person that says, Hey, I'm not going to be long. I'll get you out of here on time. And then five minutes after they're supposed to be gone, that's finally when they wrap up. But anyway, uh, a couple of things, a uh, few things actually more than two. So a few things, uh, numero uno, uh, Hey, HISD, I hear you. I see you. I'm sorry about you. Uh, it really sucks, but, uh, I hope everybody in HISD had a good, school week, even though, uh, your libraries are gone and, uh, you have to keep your doors open at all times. And, uh, you're supposed to make the best reader read and it was so stupid, but, uh, that really sucks. So hope everybody's doing well there. I have taken on the, uh, I have the pleasure of teaching on a Wednesday for class hack productions, uh, which of which I'm a board member and been a part of for almost 20 years now, not a board member for 20 years, but, uh, been a part of for that long. Uh, I'm now teaching an acting class to nine through 13 year olds. That's right. You heard that nine through 13 year olds, um, one hour a week until November. And I'm having the time of my life. Now I'm having the time of my life because I do it one time a week for one hour and I'm having a blast. The kids still have at five thirty a ton of energy, a ton of creativity. They have, fallen in like with me. So they trust to say things to me, which can be dangerous when you're nine years old and you don't know what certain things mean, but I'm having, I am, I legit am having a good time. Um, which brings me to my next kind of little thing. I, uh, I don't remember who, Oh, I know where it was. I'm not going to call them out, but, uh, I was in a meeting at my new job. Um, and we were talking to a teacher and they said something about behind or, uh, they said, uh, moved it, moved it forward or something to that effect. Right. If you're in theater, if you're in theater, use theater terms. If you're talking to theater people, you, even if you're not use theater terms, there's no such thing as behind in theater. I get what you get. I get what you mean. I mean, that was ironic. Uh, but say upstage, downstage, stage right, stage left, backstage, offstage. Don't say behind. Um, behind doesn't really exist in the world of theater. Maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm in the minority of this. I'm the minority for lots of things. But it drove it drives me crazy when theater people don't use theater terms. Like, if a doctor said, like, hand me that thing that cuts the skin. Hey, that, that, that over there, that silver thing that cuts the skin. Like, no, no, no. He's going to say scalpel, right? I almost said spatula. That would have been funny. But, um, you know, just just do it. It's a, it's a pet peeve of mine. Um, I'm going to get off that one. We lost our uh, hamster today as I record this. I buried my hamster today, Ava's hamster. And uh, I deal with death my sister and I deal with death in a very unique way because our parents died when we were uh, younger than we should have been. And uh, so we have a funny way of dealing with things, of coping and, and, and dealing with tragedy. 
And so today was the first time my youngest, Eleanor, has had to deal with the death of something or someone that she uh, loved, you know. And Georgie had has been around for two and a half years, and she lived longer than she should have because those just small hamsters don't live that long, right? But anyway, um, Eleanor didn't take it well, but Ava, you know, she cried at the beginning, and then she started making these off-color comments, and I was like, Ava, you can't do that around people that grieve like a normal person. Uh, It's fine around me. I don't care. But she then comes up to me and whispers and says, Daddy, um, I'm just glad that Georgie didn't become um, a hamster nugget and Juju didn't eat her. This is 10 minutes after she found out that, that her pet died. Anyway, and she's almost 11, right? So she knows. She gets it. What a great way to intro Marie Phillips. Um, the very last thing I'm going to mention uh, is that I think I'm going to start a Patreon and uh, maybe release one more playwright series, one more playwright interview, but I've done a couple more since. And I might start putting some more exclusive stuff behind a paywall, right? Just to see if it works. Just to see if if this can be monetized in the least. Since I have only ever asked for money when I'm trying to pay the actual fee. And that's through the t-shirt. Which are still available, by the way. Uh, I'll put the link in. But, uh, but yeah, I might do that. I'm going to look into that over the Labor Day weekend. And... I'll get back to you. You know, I'll contact your people. Enjoy this week's interview. It was a really fun one. I clicked really well with with her. Um, like we just had a really good time, and it's going to come across through the interview. I can't say that about every interview. I'm not going to call you out. Looking at you, Bobby Ramirez. Love you. So I was born in near Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's where pretty much all my family is from. We moved to Texas because um, 2008 in the recession, my mom's, the division of my mom's company just um, shut down. And then uh, she was hired onto another division that happened to be in Dallas, Texas. Um, and so we, uh, and I remember that being more of a culture shock than I was expecting, you know, for a lot of reasons. And then I got the theater bug between middle school and high school. My history teacher was doing Romeo and Juliet as a summer camp. And I looked it up and I told him I really wanted to play Mercutio. And he was like, we'll see. And then I did. And it was so much fun. And my sister actually played Tybalt, so she got to kill me. Spoiler alert. Um, And um, for whatever reason, too, we were going to Minnesota that week, and we could not wait for whatever reason. My sister and my mom were flying, but my dad and I were driving. So from the play, we actually drove up to Oklahoma for the night. And, like, the whole ride up there, like, my dad had to listen to me um, talk about this experience and I was just on such a high and like so incredibly happy. So by the time I got to high school, I knew um, that I wanted to do more theater and I pretty much did every play that I could in whatever position that I could be in. Um, I think you also mentioned like not really being in the UIL world. That was the same case to me. I went to private Catholic school, so we didn't do UIL or thespians. So that was new to me in becoming an educator and something that I had to fill myself in on. Um, my sister always knew that she wanted to study musical theater and she did. She's amazing. Um, but I knew I wanted to be a theater major, but I was resisting it because of the want, uh, wanting to have a clear career path. Um, and I apologize. I'm a bit of a rambler. And You're doing fine. With You're lots of ums and such. Oh, good. <laughs> Sound, oh, good. It, yeah. it sounds good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, not always the most coherent sentences, so I'm glad. Um, okay. So, but then I discovered that, like, oh, I could go to theater specifically to be a, I, I go to theater. I could go to college. You could do both. Yeah. To do theater. Yes, exactly. I go to specifically to be a theater teacher. And um, then I would be going towards a specific career path. And I was also very like 
bought in to theater education and the value of it. Um, specifically because I was a kid with dyslexia. I really struggled academically. So theater gave me something that I was good at. It forced me to collaborate. And I was someone who was very shy. Um, it forced me to fail over and over again and just be okay with it and move on from it rather than dwelling on it and give me more opportunities to recover from it. Um, and to come out of my shell again, because I was very, very shy. Um, so this, it was really perfect for me. And I, I also had like a lot of teachers in my family and teachers who really inspired me. So it was just a really good fit. So I went to Stephen F. Austin State University. Um, I went to their summer camp first, SFA High School Workshop, um, which I'm the TD for now. Woo. And um, just, yeah, well, I, I pl plug that in, a brag. Um, it, it's, it was the coolest thing ever when I came back for that. Anyway, um, but now I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so... I went to Stephen F. Austin State University studying um, theater education. And um, I think Carter Ridge on her episode said that TAN UCC is the place you got to go for theater education, but I would definitely say it's SFA. Um, I know a lot of great people from TAN UCC and they are amazing educators, but um, I would not trade my experience for anything else. And also they've got a brand new fancy building that they're opening this year. Um, also Jennifer Malberg, Malmberg, excuse me, um, is runs the department of theater education and she is fantastic. Anyway, um, I actually changed my minor while I was at SFA because I wanted to pursue other stuff, but I always had the idea that I could go back to education if I wanted to. Um, so when I graduated, I did two tours with Missoula Children's Theater, and uh, that was really fun. If you don't know Missoula Children's Theater, um, basically, I went up to Missoula, Montana, got trained for two weeks, and then me and one other person drove a red Ford F-150 across the country with all of our um, costumes and sets and props. Um, and we would go to different communities, typically very small communities, and put on a play in a week. Um, and it was typically like K through five, but it can be K through 12. And depending on how small the area was, it often was. Um, and that was really fun. I did some waitressing in college, so I used to like to say that working in food service, I saw the worst in people, <laughs> but with Missoula Children's Theater, I saw the best in people. Uh, people were just so kind and generous to us and wanted to show us their community and wanted to give this experience to their children. Uh, so that was really rewarding. And also it gave me the opportunity to like start over all the time. <laughs> so um, we start one week and all of a sudden it was over and we were in an entirely different state. Um, so I did two tours of that. Um, first one in the Pacific Northwest in Canada and the second one in the Southeast. And then um, during this time I was applying to internships. And at the time I was applying for directing and dramaturgy, which was very competitive. So I applied to a lot and I only got two interviews. And when I got the rejection from the second interview, I was like, oh no. So this isn't happening um, because it's too late now. Like, like all the other applications have passed. But I noticed that one of the theaters I'd applied to was still looking for a carpentry intern. Um, and I just figured, well, I'm better than nobody. And, and I guess that was true because I was hired pretty quickly. And it was also something that I, I'd really wanted to do anyway. Like as, essentially my goal of this internship is I just wanted to see what it was like in the professional theater world. And I would still be getting that experience. And I had done some shop work in college, but not as much as I would have liked to. So then it gave me that chance to grow there. 
And I did. I grew a lot. So I did an internship at um, Triad Stage in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I worked with the three best people ever. Um, Tanish Boyajen, she was the technical director there, um, along with TJ and Shane, Carpenter and Master Carpenter. And they were so kind to me. I was awful. <laughs> I was so bad. Um, they were just like miles and leagues ahead of me. And I also just didn't realize like how like rudimentary my knowledge was until getting there, but they were, but we had a great rapport and they were so supportive of me and took a lot of time to train me. Um, even though, you know, it's a busy, hectic schedule and there were only four of us building all of these massive shows with once in a while, some overhire people. Um, so that was a great experience. And by the time I was a about to leave. I had a summer job. I was going to be a carpenter at the Texas Shakespeare Festival in Kilgore. Uh, but then the pandemic happened. And that was really interesting to be at a regional theater when that happened, because um, they made the decision to um, lay off um, pretty much everybody. Um, certainly all of production, all the people that I was working with. Um, but they decided to keep the um, the apprentices, the interns, um, through the end of our contracts. And they actually kept us on a little bit longer. And basically we were there to, we, we did some online stuff um, because I had experience with Missoula. I was working with the education director and they had a summer camp. So we still did that summer camp, but online. And I helped with like signups and I like these storybook videos and did like arts and crafts and games and stuff. Um, but we were also like packing stuff up, you know, like uh, just it was and, and actually triad stage um, after like holding on for quite a while recently, like has closed its doors permanently, which is very sad. Um, but like as it goes and maybe it'll like lead to bigger and brighter things. Um, so that actually I had already been thinking like, OK, I'm definitely not wanting to be in the regional theater scene or doing a lot of freelance. Like, I think I want to be a teacher and Missoula children's theater previously had also like put that back in my brain. Cause I worked at a lot of schools with a lot of teachers who were beautiful, inspiring people. So between Missoula and things kind of blowing up at triad, like I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. And then um, I saw the position for Belton off of, Facebook, uh, Belton High School, and um, again, just decided to apply. Really didn't think I was going to get it. Um, was not even certified in theater. And um, then I think I was at um, the building, at the theater, at the Triad, and I just get a call from the principal, like, hey, can you interview in like 10 minutes? And I'm like, yes, I can. Um, and luckily, uh, the director of development and another apprentice were over there and they helped me like get set up in like the meeting conference room. So it looks like my inter I looked somewhat presentable in my Zoom interview. Um, but it was probably clear that I hadn't showered. Um and I even like called a friend of mine, Maggie Strain, who's um, I believe still a middle school teacher in the Austin area, like, and, and just asked her, like, "Hey, do you have any tips? I'm about to have this interview. Like, what are some questions that I should ask at the end? Which I, I anticipate." Um, and she answered those really well. And the interview went great in terms of like a very spur of the moment interview, and. Yeah, and it was very clear that it was going to be happening. Um, afterward, Melissa Stuff, um, who's also been on this podcast and is the head director at Belton High School, she called me, gave me some more information, gave me some tips for alternate cert certification. Um, and that's how it all went down. And now I've 
I'm in my fourth year. Yeah. Wow. Four years. Jeez. Yes. That's how long I've been doing this. Po- I've been doing this podcast a little longer than that, but that makes me feel like this podcast has been around for a while. Cause I think I met you. Uh, I met you pretty much. No, I've, been, first I've year. been listening for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but weren't you at like TXCTA your first or second year or something like that? I feel like that's. Yeah. Cause the first two TXCTAs were, were canceled yeah, or, yeah. or one of them have an online and the other one was canceled. Yeah. I didn't mention that I'm the tech director at Belton High School, by That's the way. Right. I should probably say that. Right. Yeah. So Melissa's just there to collect a paycheck and yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. I don't no. like, I don't even want to joke about it. No. So. She knows yeah. if she's listening, which I'm sure she is, she knows. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, I wrote down quite a few things. First of all, uh, so you mentioned that when you moved to Dallas, it was culture shock, but was it also yeah. like season shock? Like you no longer had uh spring, fall, summer, winter. Like, was it like, was the weather different for you? Was that because Minnesota's, you know, ravenous during winter at least. Yes, absolutely. Um, I definitely really miss the snow. I yeah. used to love to go snowboarding. Um, snow as a kid is so much fun. But definitely as an adult now, yeah. I don't miss it at all. Um, I'm glad. I, in, with Missoula, I did have a little bit of experience of driving in snow and ice. And it was really scary, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, so that that was definitely a big part of it. I also realized, like, wow, I actually kind of like trees and nature yeah. and soft grass and I just <laughs> didn't realize that wasn't a place in some places. Like, especially Dallas, too. That's what I like about living in more of the central Texas area. It's, it's very different vegetation, but at least there is actually nature to admire here. Yeah. It's not just cement. Yeah. 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 Dallas is kind of, I love Dallas, but it is kind of just cement. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of structure. Um, so you, uh, I want to get to the fun stuff first, uh, for the SFA camp. How was that? Cause this was my first experience this year, this summer with a summer theater camp, a state, a, 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 sleepover camp I say sleepover camp you know what I mean? sleepaway camp that's what I'm trying to say uh but I did the commerce one uh and I saw your posts uh, some of your posts about the SFA camp and some other people with that camp or uh corpus or towels or whatever uh I think Texas Tech does one but uh like what's for you kind of describe I guess the camp experience um because now yeah. you've done it both as a as a camper and as a uh, right. Is that what, or did I, did I hear that wrong at the beginning? No, that's yeah, absolutely you, right. So you've yeah, done both went, ends. Yeah. I went there right before I went, I, I, as a camper, I went right before I went to college. It definitely solidified me wanting to go to SFA. I actually met one of my best friends there. Um, Maggie, who I mentioned in helped me with my interview. Um, I also met there. Um, so, and it's, it's hasn't fundamentally changed, but there, there have been a lot of changes, um, in small ways. Uh, so basically SFA high school workshop is broken up into two camps. One is the tech camp, one is the acting camp. Um, and so I run workshop B, which is the tech camp. And, um, the students get to design the three shows that are put on. And we try to assign them to design roles. Um, of course, they still kind of have a, a little bit of a mix in everything, including like run crew positions and such. But we spend the two weeks um, designing, building, presenting, um, brainstorming. And then we put on a show and they get to win awards. And um, I also get to work with the... Uh, college students. So I think each year I've worked with seven tech counselors. Um, both years we've actually up um, outnumbered the number of campers. Um, so my first time doing this, we had four. This year we had um, seven. We had seven campers. So we actually had more counselors, which was... Um, and we're, we're growing more and more, which is great too. But I will say like compare, even though it is three shows in two weeks, uh, because that there, there are so many of us, 
um, and we're only focusing on shows, um, it's, I, it's just so efficient and so much fun. And you're around people that love what they do and are bringing new ideas to the table. Um, so, and it's just really rewarding to like come back and, um, give and be a part of a program that I love. Yeah. That was that the efficiency element was my experience too, is because you're so focused on just that, like you said, I'm just repeating your words, but, uh, but that was my experience with commerce was, by the end of week one, we were pretty much done with the, the bulk of the work, uh, for the shows that we were doing because that's all we did for, from yeah. like eight thirty nine o'clock until five, six o'clock. All you did was you stayed in the shop for six days and did what was needed. And, uh, and it was, I mean, it was great. That was, that was fun. But now you're starting to be like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> you know, you start to add little things and you start to over-design a little bit sometimes. And, um, you know, but, it, but yeah, but that was my experience too. Did the, was, did SFA do the camp? Was this the first year back from COVID or was this second yeah, year or was it? Last year was, yeah, okay. this year was the second year. Okay. Yeah. I think numbers were down all over the place. I mean, even like even commerce, we had four tech students. We had, I think 34 total before them were tech. Um, and I know towels was low. I know UH was low, you know, the, everybody was low. I think it's just people are having to re retrust, you know, um, uh, the, the whole thing, the whole camp world. So cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a good sign too. Like it's definitely growing and all the students that I heard from, had a really positive experience, yeah. experience and a lot of them came back. So yeah. yeah, it can just get better and better. Um, and I have to say that, uh, I disagree with you as far as, and Carter about the best school to go get a theater education, uh, for educators. And that's UH it's, it's university of Houston. That's obviously the best one, but, uh, uh. anyway, <laughs> it's cause I'm a part of that team. So, uh, but I digress. So the Missoula children's theater, I have heard of that before mm -hmm. I had heard of it. Um, uh, I don't remember why or what my interaction with them was, but how was Montana for you? I can tell you I why I'm asking. Montana. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was beautiful, man. And Missoula is a hidden gem. Yeah. Um, and it has an airport too. Yeah. So I've often thought like, man, I just got to go up there for a vacation. It's a beautiful place. It's a really fun place. Yeah. Um, I didn't explore a lot of Montana, but there was one drive where we drove through Glacier National Park and that was totally stunning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I do like the landscape of Montana. I've, I think I've said this before on this podcast that Montana is the only, when, it, when I was touring with Straight No Chaser, Montana was the only state that vandalized our buses. Like they, like somebody in the middle of the night while we were staying in a hotel completely spray painted the side of one of the buses. And it was like, oh God. it was like, it was vulgar. Um, uh, but. Oh, well, yeah, nothing like that over here. Not for the children's theater. Track, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So it was awesome. I mean, I, th we all thought it was kind of funny and cool, but not, <laughs> not the bus drivers. They did not, uh, they didn't appreciate it. Um, so, okay. So I want to, uh, hit on a couple things that uh, are hard hitting things. You said a couple things that maybe have been said before, but I just wasn't paying attention until I heard you say it. Um, but you mentioned that, you were forced to fail, uh, and, and it was okay. Right. That theater. Yeah. Okay. And I really, really liked that. You said that, not that that's new, you know, I don't, you're not, it's not groundbreaking news that theater allows you to fail and, and be okay with it. But what, what clicked in my mind was, did you learn that from someone? Did somebody teach you that it was okay to fail and be okay? Or, did you just kind of figure that out? Was that just kind of one of those things that, oh, this is going to happen and that's okay? That's a good question. Um, I'd like to say that I figured it out, but probably somebody said it to me. Um, that was also just something that I learned through just living life as well. Um, I mentioned being dyslexic too. I actually couldn't like I could read 
but I, I couldn't, I didn't have good reading comprehension until I was about 12. Like I didn't sit down and read a book until that age. Um, and I just remember being a kid and thinking like, when's it going to happen for me? <laughs> um, cause I was very fortunate. My parents gave me a lot of tutoring. Like my, my dad would, um, give would work with me a lot and even like recorded like little audiobooks for me um to listen to but i just so i was i was working really hard to get better at it but it just it just wasn't happening um and then one day i just thought stephen king sounded pretty cool and i grabbed a stephen king book and i read it and it was like it, it wasn't even though it came about through gradual progress, it didn't feel that way. It seemed like, oh, I couldn't read and suddenly I can read. So I guess even to like going back to my education in theater or my internship, like during my internship, I was really awful. <laughs> and then, uh, but, uh, but I knew I was trying and I knew I was getting better. And there got to be a point where I wasn't contributing as much, especially just because uh, everyone else is so much faster than me. But I had the thought of like, I think I can do this now. I think I think if I if I was given if if I had to do this alone, I could do it now. Um, and then certainly Belton definitely showed me I could. <laughs> so because um, especially like I was supposed to go to from a to a job in which I would be a part of a team and have a bigger place in a team into um, now I am in charge of students like right away. So, yeah, that's cool. So yeah. I just, I wanted you to talk on that, but uh, cause I've heard that before, you know, the, the uh, different upbringings and, and different backgrounds of different people. Uh, but theater was the place that they were, that they, it was safe, you know, uh, which yeah. is, which is one yeah. of my things that I've always taken to, uh, the classroom or did, um, RIP to my life in the classroom. Uh, but, uh, that was one of those things is I would always say, this is, if anything, this is a safe place. You may not learn a single thing about theater, but at least you know that you're, uh, you're welcome to be here, uh, no matter yeah. what or who you are. So, yeah. And well, first of all, too, you, now you have a life in so many classrooms yeah, right. through the, uh, yeah. difference that you will make through the covenant. Um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely agree with that, especially now um, being a tech teacher. Um, I think a friend of mine once said like, man, tech theater is kind of an excuse to just like build and build and build and build yeah. versus um, they, um, a construction class um, where you're trying to learn to build something to last. And of course, we still have standards and we still right. want them to do it safely and use best practices. But um they can take the pride that something they make is still going to get used. Right. And then as they stick with it, um, their work is just going to get, is going to get better and better. Um, but so often I feel like we don't see that. We yeah. don't see that in ourselves too. Like, you know, the whole, I, I think I see on Facebook, like the, the, when I'm down on Facebook, someone will say like five years ago, the old you would have been so proud. Yeah. Like, or I guess that's not right. The young me would have yeah. been so proud. I'm yeah. the old the, me. Yeah. You're yeah. the old version of you. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. The, and you're, then, the, you're the oldest but, version right now uh, of you. <laughs> right now. Yes. Um, and um, I, I loved your point too, of saying, uh, wanting to give your students a safe space yeah. um, because we were recently talking because we're in in-service right now with my uh, district of fine arts. Um, ah, fine arts in our district. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Those, those are the words. Yeah. Um, the, uh, we wanted to think of um, core values yeah. that we have in fine arts. And I kept noticing this, um, these two common themes of having a safe place yeah. and having it be okay to fail, but also having high standards right. um, for them to be, to give their best effort, to give their best work. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And I really do hope that both of those values make it in there yeah. uh, to show that they need to balance each other out too. Um, certainly like with working with Melissa, 
Um, and um, Mel Edwards used to be yeah. in my position. Never heard of her. Yeah, yeah, said. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, to talk about like an intimidating yeah. replacement right there. Um, but you know, both of them really valued uh, giving giving a, their best effort and just just knowing that like uh, so often we aren't the best um, judges of ourselves right. and what we can do. Um, so, so offering that as an educator is really important while at the same time, um, not uh, bogging them down through the, you know, comparison of others. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think yeah. also like the, there's a difference between creating a space where you're allowed to fail and creating a space where you're allowed to quit. Those are two different things, right? Yes. Uh, so. Yes, exactly. That was the, that's the perfect way to say yeah. it too. So. Um, anyway, yeah. If, but, if you don't mind me jumping into something else, too, it, I think something that's also like a thread of my life. This pod, is, this episode is about you. So you get to jump oh, in wherever wow. you want. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Little old me. <laughs> so go <Okay>. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I hope that, um, my charisma makes up for the fact that I only kind of speak English. Yeah, that's, that's right. why I'm not I, an English. I always teacher. tell people it's my it's not my first language. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um like grunts grunts and head nods are my first language. <laughs> and then, um so uh yeah so another thread in my life is is I am extremely insecure. Yeah. <laughs> like I um I used to be like that kind of person who was like, well, if I tell myself what an idiot I am, then eventually I'll do better. Um, and of course that never works. Um, so I've, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of them are like therapy, uh, related to, so I, I got into like self parenting and like kind of talking to myself, like, Hey, you know, you tried your best, but, um, you were really tired at that moment. Maybe you're a little hungry, you know, like just talk, talking to myself like a child. Anyway, that is not even the point that I was trying to get to, but, um, but yeah, self-parenting is, is nice um, and helpful to talk to yourself as, especially when you are a teacher yeah. and everything is bombarding you all at once. Um, but one of the most helpful pieces of advice that I got was from Cleo House Jr., who is the, director of the School of Theater and Dance at SFA. Um, So one of the last conversations I had with him before I graduated, I was basically just like, hey, what is the last bits of wisdom you can give to me before I'm out of here? Um, And he was quite honest with me in saying like, you know, the being, um, I, I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but he was like, <laughs> you being a jerk to yourself, it, it's not cute. <laughs> like yeah. he was like, you like underplaying yourself or um, minimizing your work or um, being insecure or not jumping into things right away. Like it's not, it's not, it's not cute or it yeah. stops being cute. So um, like there's not always going to be someone else that can show you your value. So you have to be that person for yourself. So, yeah. okay. It tied back in self-parenting. Yeah. And, yeah. and Cleo has been on here before. Uh, I don't remember. He the, was on this podcast. Yeah. 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 He's been on before. I yeah, yeah. totally missed that episode. <laughs> it was, oh. it was a long, t- it was years ago, literally. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm definitely going to be listening to that. I <laughs> yeah. love Cleo. Yeah. He's, he's great. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Have you, have you ever heard of Stuart Smalley? with daily affirmations. No, so this is a, this isn't a straight, or straight, no, oh my gosh, Saturday night live sketch that was on in the mid to late nineties. Um, and it was Al Franken, who's now, I guess, a Senator or Congressman. I don't remember what he is, but, uh, so Al Franken was a comedian still is, I guess, uh, that did a short, quick bit, probably a minute sometimes of daily affirmations on SNL. And they were, somewhat comical right like it was meant to be kind of fun especially when he had celebrities on with him or the the host but for the most part it was like inspirational like talking to yourself the same thing you just said about like 
you know, no, 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 I am good enough. And so the, the line that always came from that is I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, darn it. People like me. Oh, yeah. I have seen yeah. that actually. And gosh, darn it. People yeah. like so me. So yeah. that's, that's Stuart yeah. Smalley. But, um, anyway, I, I grew up on that stuff, but, uh, the, the, um, oh shoot. The other thing I was, there was one other thing I was going to say, uh, off of what you said, but now I'm, oh, uh, I'm blanking, but yeah, anyway. That one was the the important one, but there's my short term memory going bye bye. Um, <laughs> so, as it does, yeah. As it, oh, that's the other thing. Uh, Mel, speaking of Mel, and I jokingly said, you know, never heard of her. Uh, she is very good at not allowing you, and I don't mean you necessarily, but it could be you, uh, just the proverbial you. She doesn't allow you to get down on yourself. Like she, she she's very good with me, especially saying you've got to put your work out there. You have to show off your work. You, if, if you don't, who else is going to do it? And so, uh, she's, she's a great source for, I don't want to say get off your ass. I mean, but I'm sure she would do that too, to tell you to like, Hey, no, 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 be, you know, your best self and show your best self out there. Uh, so that whole, I, you know, agreeing with Cleo in a way that, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if I'd say it's not cute, but that's, um, but it's, it's a very, seems to be a common thread with people, you know, uh, in your life. So, um, that, that are just those types of people that say, stop. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely say so. And yeah, yeah, Mel came over for, um, professional for a professional development session. Um, and we were, um, working at our PIC and in our shop too. And, um, I was, I was really struck by the fact, you know, this, that was her shop for six years. Um, and she started the program. There wasn't a tech director before her. So a lot of like how things are in there are because of her, but she still like talked to me and, um, like as the tech director of that space too, and was asking like, Hey, um, for this part, like, do you think it would be better if we did it this way or that way? And, um, so that was, uh, yeah, she's incredible for so many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way her mind works and how she'll just, this is dumb. Like, like, uh, what, what is it? She was showing us like her, wire cutter wire cutters are dumb so i made one and it's a million times better yeah, she's, so she's ridiculous but yeah. yeah and also oh, i have another story yeah, go, actually yeah that, is, story that time. is like this is like what mel this is what mel is yeah they're on okay, the magic so, carpet yeah. yeah yes yes okay so um i did robotics club briefly at, in high school we didn't have one for very long um and it was like those Lego like robotics ones. And we had like a manual um, and we were, we were going to have a club fair. So we were making like this roller coaster and we made it off of what the manual said. Um, and I was like, great, we did it. Now we don't have to do anything else. And then a bunch of the other people in the club were like, well, what if we added this? So it does a flip or this or that. So it does all these different things. And I was like, but guys, we did the manual. Um, aren't we done now? Don't we get to rest? Um, but, uh, they were, but, and and I also just thought like, oh, this is going to go horribly. Like we're going to break this thing that we just spent so much time making. Um, but then it didn't. And we had a roller coaster that could do like flips and other tricks and stuff. And, that really struck me to be like, okay, let's think out of the box. Let's put our own ideas into something and, um, not just follow the manual. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a struggle for me. Like personally, like, I I mean, I've never really talked about that, but how, how difficult for me personally, it is to think outside the box, to be completely honest. Like one of the people that helps me or has helped me do that is like Stuart Savage down here at Carnegie he'll, he literally one day I showed him a set I was doing the the full set on stage and he was like, just angle it a little bit and it, and it'll make it more interesting. Those types of things. My brain does not think in that, that way. in those dimensions, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I get that the whole think outside the box, but I, I personally struggle with that quite often. Um, I know people think I'm like a pretty decent set designer, but 
I steal. Like I, you know, I, I'm constantly like taking ideas from other people and just putting them into, you know, my, and, and, and making a casserole, if you will, of scene design. So I do too. Yes. I, I'm, I feel like such a fraud so much of the time. Um, I think too, I, I kind of like the question sometimes of like, are you more of a technician, a designer or a stage manager? And I definitely feel like more like a technician. Uh, I really enjoy the building and the, um, fixing things, cleaning things, like making, making the vision happen. But I do struggle to funny enough, like, even though I'm in a creative field, I struggle to think of myself as a creative person. Yeah. 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 I, I, I a hundred percent with you on that. The only place I don't is lighting. Like I could, I could mm-hmm. sit, uh, you know, that's the only place that I feel super confident with design, but everything else it's like, it sometimes it's a struggle. It's, it's sometimes I don't enjoy it. And, uh, even though the results typically turn out, okay, I'm, I'm not having a good time, uh, you know, uh, doing it, you know? Um, do you like, think part of that too, is just, um, especially living in, in the world with the internet and living in a place like Texas, where there are so many amazing motivated theater educators, it's, it's hard to just not compare yourself to, to them and their work. That's a great question. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I've I've always in and you and I can be in the the same raft together. It's probably not a boat. I don't know of like the self confidence thing, and that's why like last I don't remember when it was, whatever conference it was. I led a, a professional or I led a a workshop on imposter syndrome and and talking talking about that and how strong that is in a lot of people, but they don't they don't either recognize it or they don't admit it, um, that they're, that that's what they're experiencing. Um, you know, uh, one of my, one of my dearest family friends is like the leader of, of advocation or advocating advocation. That's not a word advocating for, uh, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. And he talks about how most people have a form of obsessive compulsive disorder, but you it's a you have to figure out if it's obsessive compulsive disorder or if it's ADD or if it's you know like what is it but there is some sort of something that most humans have because their brains are constantly moving and changing and morphing so you know oh, that's really interesting yeah and so it's yeah. it's like to, I don't know if that answers the question but to be honest it's like I don't know if it's a Texas thing because I did not grow up like we like you mentioned at the very beginning you know, I didn't grow up in the UIL system, so I didn't know that world. Uh, and so I wasn't intimidated by that world and I'm still not because winning or losing one act plate doesn't matter to me, uh, which is great in an interview with administrators. Um, but (laughs) it's, uh, but it's like, I don't know if, if where, where I, I think it's because I enjoy math and 90 degrees in geometry and geometry and scene design don't really mix. Um, because you should not think so linear. It should be, mm-hmm. it should be more of an amoeba. It should be more, you know, something that that's flies. why I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why I like scenic design. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and fudge things a little bit, so. but my brain does not go that direction. So I don't know. That's a long answer for your podcast. Uh, that. <laughs> no, but it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. And um, did you say that was your cousin that does the advocacy work? Just a, a like somebody that Credit. literally has known me since I was in diapers. Yeah. Guy oh, named, guy nice. named Ethan Smith. Yeah, he's he's family, but not blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I well, I love that he spreads that message too, because um, definitely like coming into this podcast, I definitely wanted to talk about um my insecurities yeah. um and um that philosophy because I, I I feel like it's helped me when I've heard people um who do my work talk about their struggles you right. know just like know that we're not alone I don't want to get like too much into the rut again right. like going into that balance because I have noticed sometimes like um I was joking is it okay if I cuss on this yeah, yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah. it's not a, not a huge word I was I was talking to a friend the other day and I was just like I think teachers we love to bitch because it's all that we have (laughs) so um and it's it can be cathartic but at the same time it's 
it, it sometimes can get you into that like ultimate um negativity like like oh what am i looking for like uh like there's no hope yeah or something yeah yeah, like that the, too. Uh, yeah sure I like know fatalism yeah 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 um perpetuity is, yes <laughs> yeah yeah anyway that is not where i was trying to go with this but when you kind of talk about like things what in the narrative like this is what i've struggled and this is how i overcame it it always um it always comforts me because sometimes it, it's easy to feel alone sometimes yeah. we we weirdly convince ourselves in a world of eight billion people that we are the only ones who've felt all the emotions right. that we feel um and i guess that's why we tell stories and why we do theater <laughs> so, well and i yeah. i also think to to go back on the theater teachers bitch a lot i i do trust me you're correct 100 percent. but i <laughs> you know i struggle with the why why do we bitch and i think one of the things i think is because theater education no matter where you are especially in texas is not equitable so mm. you you might be you know at at a school that doesn't have much everything is 20 years old or you know and, and your space is you you have to put your space together just as much as you have to put your shows together and things like mm. that and then you have another school uh who um has all the state of the art technology and they have a beautiful space and they have great support, but they don't want to say that because if they say that out loud, it makes other people feel bad. So I'm just going to pick mm. out the things I don't have because you're also picking out the things you don't have. So now we can kind of, kind of have a common chat about all the things we want rather than all the things we have. Um, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I think that is such a good point too, with that, um, especially cause I, I do feel very fortunate in a lot yeah. of ways, uh, for the district that I have. Um, a lot of things that we don't have, we are actually about to get right. like, and the, there, I have admin who cares. Um, but I've definitely, when hearing other teachers talk about like how their admin doesn't support them or what equipment they don't have. I, I think I do feel that urge to also be there with them because I almost feel like if I am talking about how lucky I am, then I am saying like my job is easy, right. which it's not. And I, and I'm like, I think I desperately like want to be like, Oh, but it's, I have the, yeah. Like you said, yeah. like I have this struggle too, or I need this too. Um, so, so that the other person doesn't look at me as like, oh, you, you've got it. Yeah. You've got it so good. But what well, a, also what a lucky thing to say well, as, at the same time. And I also think like, I think human support outweighs any other type of support that you'll ever get. Because like, if you yes. take, for example, I think like of uh, someone like a Julio Morales or uh, quite a few of the schools down in the Valley who don't have a lot of money. Right. Their schools, just the communities. And that's not really going to change anytime soon. But they love what they're doing because just because the community doesn't have money, the community supports them. And just because the school doesn't have money, the admins support them. And so that makes your your brain feel better about what you what you have compared to what you don't have. And so I think that that's part of I think that human support uh, completely exponentially outweighs any other type of support. So, you know, it's the whole yes. like money won't make you happy type of thing, which is, you know, I didn't just win the mega millions, like one random person in Florida did yesterday, but whatever, I'm sure they're a lot happier today because mm -hmm. <laughs> they're a billionaire. No. But <laughs> I, I, I absolutely couldn't agree more too. I see it. Um, and I'm very rich too in my professional life. Um, we have a fine arts team um, at Belton High School that gets along great. Our our theater department, um, actually, one of my um, best friends actually just uh, joined us at Lake Belton Middle School. Um, his name's Quentin Drake too. And but even before that too, we're just we're just such a good team, and yeah. we're also on the same page. Um, I remember Missoula Children's Theater's training was so great. Yeah. Um, they really like, they're such a well-oiled machine. And one thing that, um, they talked about a lot was your relationship with your touring partner. Right. And 
I really appreciated that because when you do have such um, in a close and intimate relationship with somebody like that, because you know like that one, you like you're, you're literally hardly have a second without that person, um, which is um, familiar to most teams of two theater teachers in Texas, um, but even more to that extra extreme because we're even like driving ten hours every week. Um, anyway. Um, so what they said was like, you guys are going to disagree on things on the best way to handle a show, handle a situation, but just remember that your goal is the same, which is that you want to give these kids the best experience possible. Um, so I've, I've always found like in all of education too, like when we just know that we have that same goal in mind, even when things get really intense, um, it. It can, like, not to say situations still won't happen, but it can help you move past them and apologize for them and want you to work with that person and admire that that person has the same goal as you. Right. Very good. Um, I love this. I I actually want to do a follow-up with you at some point, but uh, because I think think this type of conversation either, A, can continue with the two of us, but also should add one or two more voices because like I rarely get these honest conversations on this podcast. No offense to past uh, guests, but uh, very rarely do I get this kind of conversation. And this is exactly like, I don't know how far back you've listened, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, like you'll notice that in uh, whatever it is, Apple podcasts or whatever it's called. And in Spotify, there's no episode one or two, I think because this podcast when it was episode one was me just getting on here and complaining, talking about all the things that were wrong. And my wife listened to it and said, you can't do that. You can't, you can't have a podcast where every, everything you talk about is negative and wrong. And so then I had Mandy Tapia on who's now at Keller and at the time was um, in Bastrop. But, um, and we bantered like this, we just chit chatted about things that we could do to help make the world of education better. And this was, early 2019, like February of 2019, I think. And then, uh, that was okay. But then I started interviewing people and that's when it was like, that's when it turned into what it is 200 episodes later. So, um, but when I was interviewing people, I wanted this, um, I wanted a conversation that you and I just had, not the exact conversation, but just that kind of like, let's figure out where people are coming from, the psychology of things, sometimes the why, the how, and the help. Right. Um, and so I appreciate it on that same topic. Oh, go say what, say what you want to say. Oh no. I, I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad yeah. that means a lot too. And I, I certainly don't blame anyone. Cause I, even as we were getting <laughs> to the end of this too, I was thinking I'm going to have a vulnerability hangover after this probably. Yeah, uh, just go get so some I, CBD. I get why too. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. it's intimidating too, but I, I feel like a lot of, I, I, I think that's great. I no, think that's great. You've done. It's amazing. Like this is easily top five for me right now. Um, oh, I'm, I'm dead serious. I don't, yeah. you can go down the list and ask people if I've ever said that to them and f- all but four will say that. Um, okay. So I've never said it. So, um, Let's see, top five. Uh, I can't think of top top five. I got to put my wife in a top five. I mean, obviously, or or I'm gonna oh, divorce. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so gonna, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you out of here on this question. And you kind of quickly glossed over this when you were talking about uh, sort of how you got the interview or, or when you got that interview that and you had ten minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And you said you called your 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 good friend and said, "What are some questions that you should ask uh, during or after the interview?" So I got to know, we're going to end the podcast with, or this episode with you saying, or telling us what were some of the questions that you were told to, to, to ask, or what were some of the questions that you did ask during the interview? Do you remember? It's kind of like the advice, advice session. She gave me, I think a lot of really good pointers. For some reason, the only question that I remember is, do you have, or do you value giving your staff professional development opportunities? Um, and the answer was yes. We, um, get, uh, they, our fine arts director in, uh, Keith Zolke, he really values, um, professional development opportunities. So we've been 
at TXCTA. We've been at a Thespian Conference and Summerfest. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I suppose that's not a very yeah, exciting so then, answer. So but, then, no, that's yeah. that's good. No, I appreciate that. But it helped. It definitely yeah. helped everything she said because I got the job. So. so so then end on this. Is there a question you wished you would have asked or that you thought I should have asked that question? Not not anything about specifically the district or the school that uh, oh, you man. are. I don't want something to come from your experience. I want something to come from like if you're going to interview, make sure you – you do ask this. If you're going to interview, um, that's such a good question. Now that you're, now that you're a veteran. Now that I'm a veteran. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that's such a good question. I, uh, speaking of being a fraud, I watch YouTube videos every time I yeah. do interviews and I steal their amazing questions. So that's um, it. Oh, my sister. My okay. So, so this my sister has a good one. Um, she likes to ask: Is there anything in my resume or from this interview that is um, something that not could concern you, but Thank you are you. less impressed with that I can address now? and convince you how awesome right. I am. <laughs> okay. So cool. Not I, like that. Not like that. But so I like anything that gives you pause that I can, I can yeah. to kind of defend in a way. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I thought that was a really interesting, um, a question. Yeah. Yeah. That I think I, I that I think I would, not that I'm planning on doing any interviews, but yeah. that I would use yeah. in the future. In the, yeah. Just in case. Yeah. You never, just you, in case. you never know when an, an adjunct opportunity might open up. What a weird way to end. Anyway, still haven't gotten my daughter to record. Minor wisdom.